And welcome to Super Week, everybody. Unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles are not participating. It was only four years ago where this was the lead up to not only a Super Bowl, but a Super Bowl win by the Philadelphia Eagles. That is not the case this year. They did make the playoffs, as we've documented for you, load these many weeks here on Birds 365. No, it is the Bengals and the Rams who will do battle on Sunday, and that'll be part of what we talk about uh, this week here on Birds 365. But there are a lot of Eagle happenings as well. So we'll balance both what's going on in the National Football League and with our home standing Philadelphia Eagles. John McMullen, you got to be a happy guy. Your guy, JG, sticking around. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't matter to me. I, I'm, you know, I'm a little disappointed he didn't get the opportunity for him personally, but uh, it's good for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not sure a lot of fans will agree with that. Uh, but the fact that they will have a second year and they sort of, you know, now the personnel department, we got to talk about that. The Eagles took another hit there. Um, but they understand the types of players uh, he wants to, to fit what he wants to accomplish. So you have a little advantage there. And I always talk about continuity. And that was one of my concerns about this whole coaching cycle to begin with is there were, Ultimately, nine open jobs, and and they've all started to fill up, obviously. But uh, people forget you got to hire assistant coaches uh, as well. And I, I was concerned that the Eagles might start losing some assistance, which hasn't happened yet. But there's still plenty of work to be done around the league, so uh, still something to keep an eye on. But continuity, man. The last thing you want to do is go from one defensive coordinator to another to another in three years, have three different ones in three years. So from the Eagles perspective, it's it's a big positive. Here's why I'm not going to be all that upset for just from a personal standpoint for Jonathan Gannon or uh, to, to cry him a river. He's a young dude. He looks like a young dude. He is a young dude. His coaching resume says he's a young dude. If he's as good as some people think that he is, and I know at least one team that thought enough of him to bring him in and give him a second interview, the Houston Texans, he'll get another shot. He, oh, you yeah. Don't no, no, worry don't about that. Don't yeah. worry about that when you don't get a gig. Will that gig come around? Will you get another chance? Will someone else take enough interest? You're right. You never know, but there are enough signs pointing to the fact that Jonathan Gannon. If he does a good job here in Philadelphia, if the Eagle defense is as good, if not better next year, and they should upgrade the talent. So by virtue of that, it should get better. Oh, he's going to be in that mix. He's going to be on that list of hot coaching candidates. He'll get another chance to try and get a head coaching job down the road. Yeah, he should. Uh, and, you know, you're right. I mean, I'm not sitting here crying for the guy. <laughs> he's very young. And if he continues to do a good job, uh, he'll get it another opportunity and you can make a strong argument that you know look if you're going to get other opportunities down the road you probably don't want the Houston Texans I mean that this is the second straight year where that that hiring has looked like a disaster from outside the building um and they're evidently going to end on Lovey Smith today uh wasn't even mentioned through this entire process. And they're trying to now spin that, oh, he was always involved because he was assist assistant head coach there to begin with. But no, he wasn't. And, you know, it, it's one of those things. 
look, we are where we are in current society. We are where we are in a hot button issue and the lack of minority coaches with the, with the NFL. All of that is valid. All of that is true. I think in a different time frame, the way they were talking about Jonathan Gannon, he probably would have gotten the job, but they didn't have the courage of their own conviction. Same holds true with Josh McCown. And, and you probably don't want to be involved with that, to be honest, because it's probably not going to work out long term. So if you look at it from that perspective, but, but I'm, I'm sure from a personal level, he's disappointed because he thought he was going to be a head coach in the NFL probably early in the process. And he's not going to be. So from that, it's just human nature to be a little bit disappointed. Let me ask you about the Texans. I don't want to get down a Houston rabbit hole, but I think it uh, deserves at least uh, a little bit more investigation. Uh, you mentioned Josh McCown, who was here as an Eagle backup quarterback. who played an Eagle playoff game, as a matter of fact, because Carson Wentz got hurt. And uh, he had to come in off the bench and give them a shot against the uh, C- Seattle Seahawks. He was in the conversation last year to become their head coach before they hired David Culley. At the time, everybody said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to give a coach head coaching job in the <laughs> NFL to a guy who's never coached yeah. a day in his life? Are you kidding me? Well, we come back to it 12 months later, and he's in the same mix, and he's in the same conversation. And oh, by the way, his coaching resume is the exact same thing. Zippity Duda. He didn't even coach this year which people speculated on the fact that he should have been part of the Texan staff if they liked him as much to give him an interview and consider him heavily to be the head coach. Why wasn't he part of David Culley's staff? If you're David Culley, who also kind of came out of left field, assistant coach forever, gets his chance to be an NFL head coach, you think he's going to say, yeah, no, I don't want that uh, McCown guy on my staff. No, of course he's going to take him on his staff. Is that just more signs of the dysfunction of the organization? Are they not planning properly? What the hell's going on down there in Houston? Above and beyond the Sean Watson. Now we know that's not all their fault. Now how they handle it is their business, but they didn't do what is being claimed has been done by the quarterback with his masseuses. But what kind of a runless organization are the Houston Texans? Yeah, I I mean, the thought process was that Nick Cesario would go down there and at least clean up some of that. Um, <clears throat> you know, we always talk about Jack Easterby. He's the problem with when it comes to Deshaun Watson. Remember, they had a fractured relationship before any of the Watson allegations from a legal uh, uh, entanglement started to develop. In fact, if you remember, Jody, at the beginning of it, there were people speculating that the Texans – were the ones who released the information because there they was so much acrimony, and they didn't, but there was so much acrimony be, between the two sides long before Deshaun Watson ever had his personal troubles. And it all kind of goes back to Jack Easterby, who's one of their, uh, the head of football operations, essentially ahead of Nick Cesario. And there was a hope that he, Nick, would come in from New England and at least sort of iron these things out. And by these things, I mean sort of the everyday work of running an organization and the head coaching search would certainly be an important part of that when you're trying to get a new head coach. Um, it, 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 you know, it hasn't. It hasn't. And when you're dysfunctional, and this is what Doug Peterson's got to watch out for in Jacksonville. 
uh, because, you know, nobody likes Trent Falke. If you say, okay, who are the two most disliked people in the NFL from an organizational standpoint? It's probably Jack Easterby and Trent Falke <laughs> battling one, too. And you can talk about bringing Rick Spielman in. Depends what the power structure is. You know, who's got the actual power. But Doug's got to be wary about that. And he, you know, he's got experience dealing with micromanaging front offices. So uh, maybe he's better equipped to handle it. But, man, the Houston Texans, this is two consecutive years. And people, you know, first of all, why even firing David Culley? Number one, if you're going to be, you know, if you're not going to show the courage of your convictions, why even firing the guy to begin with? You, 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 now you got a second bridge head coach uh, on on the horizon. Uh, it doesn't make sense from that perspective. Um, and, and, and yeah, why do you want to be involved with that? So I think when the emotion dies down and the disappointment dies down, I think Jonathan Gannon will realize this is probably the best thing for him long term. As far as Josh McCown, I've had this argument with a lot of people. We've said it on the show. Look, I don't get why 20 years of experience in the NFL isn't regarded as experience. I, I brought up the NBA. Derek Fisher and Jason Kidd were the two guys who changed it. Because when I covered the NBA, I heard the same things about Derek Fisher. Now, he came right off the floor to be a head coach. Now, he wasn't successful, and that's what people always say. But he changed the thinking. You know, he changed the thinking to where, you know, other guys who can come off the floor and become head coaches and have become a little bit more successful. Um, Kerr would be one. Now, he was out for a while, but he didn't do a lot. of. You know, people are saying, well, you got to be go quality control at Sam Houston State and work your way up. You know, Steve Kerr's not going to do that. Uh, in the NFL, Josh McCown, forget about it, Tom Brady, but why is he going to do that? You know, he's got a lot of money. Um, so if if you think, and everybody thinks because he was here, and the Eagles thought the same thing. After the playoffs, Jody, in 2019, so after the 2018 season, uh, or was it after, no, after the 2019 season, that was the the game where Carson got injured early against Seattle. Josh right. McCown had to McCown come in the game, come in, right. tore his hamstring in the second quarter, finished the game, almost won the game. And, you know, Seattle was a better team. Uh, and they talked to him after that game in an exit meeting about joining the coaching staff. And Josh thought he could still play. And obviously – um being a backup quarterback in the NFL, you're going to make more money than being the Eagles wanted to start him out at a lower level job. Typically uh, he's going to make more money. And he felt he still had some time into it. Then they brought him back as the first so-called uh, uh, COVID quarterback when right. he would sit in East Texas and, and be away from the team just in case, but he was in Houston. Houston felt the same way about him. The Houston said, hey, come on, come in, be our backup quarterback. And they started grooming him to join the coaching staff. They obviously want him to be there, but they don't have the courage of their convictions to take their hits because you're going to take some hits in this environment. You're going to see, you're going to take some significant hits if you hire Josh McCown with no experience over um, um, uh, minority candidates when that's in, on the front page of I always say it's one thing to be on, you know, P1 on ESPN, 
when CNN and Fox News shows up, you're in trouble. The Washington Post, the New York Times, they're covering the lack of minority hirings. And the Texans don't have the stomach for it. They don't have the stomach for it, so they got to go through this rigmarole year after year after year. You know, either have the courage of your convictions or don't. And people who criticize the Texans for saying, why are you even hiring Josh McCown? That's great, too. What I'm saying is if, if you believe in the guy, hire him. If you don't, don't interview Here's my thought process on a guy like Josh McCowan. Uh, in part, I agree with you. In part, I, I, I see where the Texans and or any other potential hiring outlet uh, w- would potentially look at it. Backup quarterbacks are basically like coaches. Yeah. If you're on the sidelines in all those meetings advising your starting quarterback what you're seeing, how you can help them on that sideline with the ball cap on, holding the clipboard, you're like a coach. You're getting paid to be a player, which is nice because those assistant coaches, as you correctly pointed out, don't make the kind of money that players actually make. You're already doing it. He already did it. But there are relationships and there are ways that you handle your business and how players feel when you're a teammate, when you're a guy who's out there taking that reps and you're talking to the quarterback and your other teammates and like you're doing so as a teammate. As soon as you officially take those shoulder pads off, it's a different relationship and you have to interact with players differently and talk to players differently. I think an experience in that is only going to help. Is it impossible to go straight from playing to coach? No, of course not. You gave a couple of NBA examples. But do I think that buffer year of doing some coaching just so you get those relationships down, you know how to handle them, you know what buttons to push and not push is important? Yeah, I do. And I think shame on McCowan that he didn't take advantage of that this year. I think he could have. I think he should have. If he had, I think it'd be much easier for the Texans to hire him. At this point. So I if I had a chance to sit down and talk to my thumb, Josh, why the hell didn't you coach somewhere this year? Why why didn't you grab some position this year to just get yourself in a better position to get the big job? So uh, that, that's my take on it. I think you now, need here, at least my, one year in that position. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in radio parlance. So you'll get it. Maybe fans will get it, maybe they won't. If, if you go into a radio station, you've been doing this longer than anybody, and, and they put you in a position of doing updates, you know, sports updates at 15 or 15 after the hour, 15 before the hour, guess what? You are pigeonholed for a, for a long time, and you get, oh, that's the update guy. And everybody wants to be on the air, and everybody wants to talk to Jody McDonald. Everybody wants to be Jody McDonald. Everybody wants to be on CBS radio. Everybody wants to be on WIP. The minute you pigeonhole yourself, you're pigeonholed. Now, you can overcome it. People have overcome it. Right. But it's much more difficult. Now, I, I, I agree with your sentiment, but I think that's Josh's sentiment, I think. I, I can't be 100% positive, that type of thing. It's like, you know, people talk about him as this natural coach having this natural ability, and he's been able to get farther on this than anybody else. Like I said, it's happened in the NBA. If it's going to happen in the NFL, it's probably going to happen with Josh McCown. Who knows? If Tom Brady turns up tomorrow and says, I want to coach, or Peyton Manning says, I want to coach, they have so much cachet so much uh, gravitas, they might get an opportunity, but they make they have too much money. Why would they want that hassle? 
why would they want that? You got to really love, you got to really love the sport to go in that type of direction. Um, I'm not saying either way is right. I'm not saying either way is wrong. I think ultimately, if Josh could get an offensive coordinator job, uh, even a quarterback's coach job, I think that would be the better way for him to go. And I think he would be an NFL head coach in short order. Um, anything lower than that, I probably wouldn't uh, entertain it if I were Josh McCown. But everybody's different. And I don't know how much, by the way, Jody, and you probably remember this, Mike Schmidt, uh, uh, you know, wanted to be a, a manager after his career. He didn't want to do the heavy lifting. Back then, you couldn't, he said, I'm Mike Schmidt. And I'm the best third baseman of all time. I'm a Hall of Famer. You know, give me this job, give me that job. That's not the way baseball worked at the time. He didn't want to. He didn't want to go down and manage in in Class A or Single A, and 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 it never came to uh, fruition. Um, and obviously, as I said, different level of player. I mean, that's a Hall of Fame player in one sport versus just a long time backup. But just uh, from a pure. And, and I've said this about Doug Peterson different way because people said the same thing about Doug Peterson with the coaching staff. Well, he's got no experience. He hasn't coached long. The guy spent 13 stinking years in the NFL. Josh McCown spent two decades in the NFL. Just from that, don't tell me that's not experience because I'd rather have experience learning every NFL offense under the sun because he was on about 57 different teams <laughs> as well. Then some, you know, oh, I ran RPOs at uh, Oklahoma. I ran RPOs at Alabama. I don't care. You learn one offense. This guy knows every offense there is at the professional level. Yeah, Just from I, that, you, just you, from that narrow view. You can't compare McCown to uh, Dougie because Dougie did the work. Dougie joined Andy's staff. Dougie worked his way up Andy's yeah. staff. Uh, but he still got McCown some hadn't of the done same any hits. of that yet. He just wants to say, I want to move straight from being a player to a head coach in the NFL. But I that's, think that's, but that's I know, think that's, that's obnoxious. Perfect. I think you've got a perfect example. You brought him up, Doug Peterson. You got to put some time in before you get the big gig. And I, I I hear what you're saying, and and for the most part, I agree with you. But it also shows a little bit about that pigeonholing I was speaking of, because remember. Doug did work his way up, and he was still taking the same hits as no experience. He doesn't know anybody yeah, in the he's NFL. Got his second gig, so any yeah. of the stuff that he, well, he won the along Super the way, Bowl. I'm not again much like uh, John to get it. Shed no tears, Doug. You yeah. got a gig. You won a Super Bowl. Now you got a second gig, and there aren't it's that just, many guys that yeah. get second gigs. And Doug has just, now got his second one. So, oh my! From time to time, he had to hear about the fact that he didn't have enough experience. He kind of beat that rap. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, again, it's not crying for Doug Peterson. It's just pointing out the silliness of those people. Because you will hear it today. You've heard it on our show, Jody. You'll say, well, Doug, how can Doug put together a staff? He doesn't know any assistant coaches. I'm like, ask a follow-up stinking question. Why? This is my pet peeve with my industry. Are you kidding me? He doesn't know people in the NFL. He knows everybody in the NFL. It doesn't. If you take one, you peel one layer off the onion. You don't even have to peel the, the whole onion, Jody. It doesn't hold any water if you peel one layer off. But people buy it like it's science. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. That's all I'm saying is you get pigeonholed. 
And I be, think he's an example. It will be very uh, interesting as to how this staff is put together down in Jacksonville. Because we know, know we know Doug Peterson's history here in Philadelphia. He came in. They said, we got all these good coaches still under contract. What do you think, Doug? And Doug said, yeah, we'll keep them all. If that's what you guys want, you're giving me the head coaching job. Yeah, go ahead. Pick my staff. The more he got selective about his staff, he got his uh, shown the way out the door after winning a Super Bowl when he started to get a little pushback on. No, no, no. I kind of want to employ. I want to advance this guy. I want to make him boom, boom. See you later. Bye. Gone. So it'll be very interesting to see the give and take on the staff that Doug puts together down in Jacksonville. Uh, so, yes. Did the Eagles make any trade? No. Did the Eagles sign anybody? No. There's no new news on the Eagles. Just former Eagles or current Eagle coaches and where they could have been heading and where they are heading are our main topics of uh, discussion here today on Birds 365. We're going to discuss it with our first guest, frequent contributor, sometimes co-host when Johnny Max got COVID tested. Like, by the way, when was the last time you took a COVID test? Oh, it's been a while. COVID testing over. So, you know, you know I'm like, I'm like a regular person. Who knows? We, you know, I got to get, I got to get my COVID test at uh, CVS or through the mail or whatever. My wife's got a couple of them just sitting around the house. I just look at them and move on by. I don't need to be sticking anything up my nose. Uh, our buddy Jeff Carr from CVSports.com uh, host here on Birds 365, going to hop aboard, do a guest spot with us to talk about the coaching carousel in the NFL, maybe a little bit about the coaching problems in the NFL with minority hirings, and certainly we're going to get his thoughts on the upcoming big game next Sunday. Jeff Kerr next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Appreciate you streaming on in here on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald's here with you. Uh, a fellow follically challenged bud joins us here. Uh, you see him co-hosting with Johnny Max. Got to be out. You read him on CBSSports.com. Jeff Carr, good enough to hop on in with us here on Birds 365. All right, I'm going to hit you first today, JK. Who had the better weekend? Doug Peterson, because he got the... Uh, Jacksonville Jaguar gig or <laughs> Jonathan Gannon because he didn't get the Houston Texans gig. I'll go with the guy who was actually hired. So I'll go Doug Pearson on that, Jody. I I don't know, Jeff. You, you're too, you know, Jacksonville is a messy situation as well. I don't think there's anything messier than Houston. What's your take on the Houston Texans? Though? We'll start there with Jonathan Gannon got notified uh, over the weekend he was out. Then the news came that Josh McCown is out. All of a sudden, Lovey Smith is involved. It certainly seems to me like the wheels um, are starting to turn uh, about the lawsuit from Brian Flores. And all of a sudden, obviously, Brian was um, painted as a finalist, but that nobody believed that in Houston. All of a sudden, here's Lovey Smith coming out of left field. And they're saying, oh, Lovey was always involved. Are you buying it? No, I'm still laughing at the NFL basically say, oh, we don't have a problem hiring minority head coaches and black head coaches on Tuesday. And then on Saturday, they pivot and they're like, oh, you know what? We may have a problem here because none of them have been hired yet. But back, back to the, well, Mike McDaniels technically won. So, yeah, um, <laughs> that's going to be interesting, too. Yeah. I don't because I don't think anybody is going to regard Mike as the type of minority hiring they want. But we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, but the whole Lovey Smith thing to me, it's, yeah, I get he's been in the organization for a bit. And I, I don't know, it just seems like a job right now no one wants. And I'm kind of having this feeling that, I, I don't know, maybe it was Josh McCown. Maybe they wanted to give the job to Josh McCown. Or maybe they wanted to give the job to Gannon, but Gannon had a couple demands like, okay, this is who I want as my coordinator, and Texans may be balked at that. I, it feels like now a lot of these coaches applying for that job in particular, it's, okay, well, I want this, this, and this. And Texans are like, well, no, you're not getting that. And I, I don't know. It feels like they want they wanted Josh McCown to be their head coach, but there's a lot of public backlash. You know, Josh McCown has been through more interviews than, than he actually had days as an NFL assistant coach, which is – crazy if you think about it yeah two nothing he's pitching a shutout uh and good good for him that at least he's still in the mix because you're right at some point people are gonna go well why doesn't he ever get hired for the job um you mentioned the fact that um some people come in with the man some people don't all negotiations are handled differently uh down in jacksonville where doug peterson got the job shad khan in his introductory press conference with doug the other day was asked was Doug Peterson the only one you offered the job to? And his response was, well, no one else is sitting up here with me, are they? Well, that doesn't answer the question. That wasn't the question that was asked, and that doesn't answer yeah. it, which makes you believe that maybe he did offer it to someone else 
but it came with conditions of the person, Byron Leftwich, that he offered it to, and he wasn't about to cave on those type things. Does that hurt Doug at all? Or does it help Doug that it helped him get him get the gig? But if he was, quote unquote, the second choice, does that compromise his start as the head coach of the Jags at all? Well, it helped the Eagles that he wasn't exactly their first choice back in 2016, and they ended up winning a Super Bowl. Sometimes the first choice isn't exactly the best choice. And I think Eagles fans are starting to learn this with Nick Sirianni right now. He wasn't exactly their first choice to be their head coach either, but it's working out for him. So I, I think it really benefited Doug that Byron Leftwich decided, you know what, I don't want Trent Baalke in here. I, I want my guy, um, obviously, guy was Adrian Wilson, who he knew with the Cardinals for many, many years in that organization. But to me, it just seems like, okay, Doug Pearson said, I can work with Trent Baalke. You, you mix up the front office here. We can go with that. As long as I get to pick my assistant coaches, which it seems like Jacksonville's letting him do, uh, Mike Caldwell getting the first interview for the defensive coordinator job is a perfect example of that. But also, he gets to work with an uber-talented quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Urban Meyer just did not know how to use it. It's amazing how a college football head coach doesn't know that the best formation for Trevor Lawrence was probably anything with his own read or a run-pass option, and he didn't even try to do it. Yeah, you bring up Mike Caldwell. Wow, yeah. Uh, how did Doug know Mike Caldwell? Oh, I, 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 don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. back in 1990. Yeah. I, I, I mean, nobody, that, evidently, if, you can't, if you're not on the staff, you can't hire anybody. You don't know anybody. But that's my own pet peeve. And all of a sudden, yeah, oh, he does know other people that, that uh, from his history in the league. But uh, I will say, when it comes to Jacksonville, it's kind of eerie because you mentioned the Eagles. Yeah, they can do all the revisionist history. And, and by the way, Jody's right. Nobody's ever not lost a coach. Shad Khan, nobody's up here. Uh, the Vikings with Jim Harbaugh, uh, everybody's like, he's getting oh, the job. Oh, the Colts no. coach, McMullen. They did yeah. this coach. <laughs> well, yeah, well, he walked away at the altar. And uh, who, who else? Uh, uh, Jacksonville, by the way, this is all, almost a lot of symmetry to this. The Eagles, for Eagles fans who don't know, in 2016, won an Adam Gaze, number one. And then Adam came walking into the Novacare complex and said, I want control over this. I want control over that because why not? You're Adam Gaze, right? Um, and, and the Eagles had just gone through Chip Kelly and they said, well, we're going to talk to some other people. Then they wanted Ben McAdoo, who was down the, driving down the New Jersey Turnpike, turned around at the Molly Pitcher service area. I just throw that in. I don't know what service area. Giants convinced them to come back. I, I heard it was Richard Stockton, but that's yeah. just Richard rumor Stockton. at this point. Yeah. Um, and so he was their third choice. Some say number four, if you want to throw Tom Coughlin. I don't believe that as much interest in Tom Coughlin as some people believe. Here, I got news for you. It was not only Byron Leftwich, it was also Matt Everflus. They wanted Matt Everflus and lost out to Chicago. So Doug is number three again. Um, and so what? He's the best of the three, just like he was the best of the three here. Sometimes it's better to get lucky than good. And you match up um, Trevor Lawrence with a guy who's proven, at least for a short window, that he can develop quarterbacks. And you can say, well, how much Frank Reich helped him? How much John Filippo helped him? Makes a lot of sense to me with Jacksonville. Um, 
So sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, don't you think? Uh, I think so. I, I think that with a lot of head coaches around this league, you know, was, uh, if you if we really look deep into the hire of every single head coach, they probably were not their first choice. I mean, I, I think in 2013, Chip Kelly was the Eagles' first choice, and we saw yeah, it, was. it didn't work out that well. Um, you know, 1999, it was between Andy Reid and Jim Haslett. I'm sure they wanted both, but I, I mean – No, I, they wanted Jim Haslett before yeah. Andy. No and, question about it. And Jim Haslett never got a head coaching job after the Saints. So – and look what Andy Reid's done. Two earned 20 wins, top five all time. You know, he's got Super Bowl, all these conference championship game appearances. It's – Again, I think sometimes you get lucky, and Jacksonville just probably went back and said, you know what, let's go back to the guy we first interviewed because for some reason no one's hired him yet. And Sean Khan's probably ecstatic. Like, look, I got the guy. I got a guy that, oh, by the way, my quarterback loves him already because right. they, you know, they see Super Bowl on the resume. And I know the big discussions, the minority head coaches and all that, but how can you argue over anybody right now over Doug Peterson, the, the, the one coach that's been hired that has a Super Bowl on his resume? You, the point you made was right where I was going next. Uh, for a kid who's only been in the league for one year, Trevor Lawrence knows how to play the media hype game pretty damn well. Oh, working with another quarterback. Our mindsets are exactly alike. We got our guy here in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson. He's got all the Jaguar fans all excited because the coach and the quarterback are on the exact same page. We'll see when the season starts, but they're talking a very good game a couple days in to Doug taking over as the head coach. So I give uh, Trevor Lawrence the nod on that one. All right, uh, back to the Eagles and losing people. They didn't lose Doug. They fired Doug. They could have lost Jonathan Gatton. They didn't. But they have lost two executives here in the last 10 days to two weeks. Um, it was uh, just a year ago that uh, we were told the uh, Eagles front office is a general manager factory that they've uh, got some of the best young minds in football on their staff and that they're going to get scooped up and become general managers elsewhere. Well, they didn't become general managers, but they became assistant general managers out of town. Ian Cunningham first, Brandon Brown this weekend. John and I like to talk about continuity a lot here. The continuity is a good thing if you can keep it. Well, Eagles don't have that in the front office because all their guys are being scooped up by other organizations. Do they just take a bow and say, thank you uh, for giving us credit for being right and acknowledging that we had that good a staff put together here? Or do you go, uh-oh, who's left to help Howie? Which way do we look at it as Eagle fans here? Well, Howie probably has guys in line to replace them. Like, I'm sure he knows – Ian Cunningham was going to get a promotion from another organization at some point, just like he knew back when Andrew Barry was promoted to be the executive, the executive vice president of the Cleveland Browns. He had a plan in place. Uh, you know, Brandon Brown was going to be a general manager at some point. And uh, again, this is what I like about the Eagles front office. And same with Joe Banner. They always seem to continue that continuity, where it was Joe Banner, Howie Rosen, um, was the GM before Banner? Uh, Tom Hodra, I, I think it was. Tom Hodrak, yeah. Yeah, Tom Hodrak. Yeah, it, it was the same thing. They, they just seem to know how to promote in, in, and, out, in and out. And I, I'm not too worried about them losing guys like that. And Because I think basically what I've been reading is, and I think Pierre King mentioned, might have mentioned this in his Football Morning America column a couple weeks ago, it seems like Howie Roseman in particular has learned from the mistakes of the 2020 draft and, you know, seems to trust – his guys more and yeah he lost a couple of his guys but there are guys are going to promote in-house they may bring some guys from on the outside but 
the Eagles, they are a GM factory. They're just deep in, in front office talent, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Yeah, I you know, this is one of the things that Jeffrey Lurie talked about when he tried to explain. And you, you know, Jeff, you've seen the Jeffrey Lurie press conference. They generally turn into a 20-minute opening statement and, and you know, people start to tune out. But he, he couple it was about two years ago where I think he mentioned the GM factory. Might have been last year if they all run together. But um, he was trying to explain, like, the GM job, which I try to explain here, is much bigger than people realize. It's not about picking this guy or picking that guy. It's a really, really big job. And, you know, one of the parts of the job is putting together a staff. Now, people have criticized me for saying the Eagles are really well regarded around the NFL. Well, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, people keep plucking from this organization because they respect how they have set up their front office. And Ian Cunningham, Brandon Brown just being the latest. But, you know, when they brought in Andrew Berry, you know, afterwards it, it came out that, how he knew he was going to lose him very quickly to a GM job. And it turned out to be basically a calendar year in that entire time. He had Catherine race sort of uh, uh, shadowing him in, in the building, uh, in the facility uh, to take over the heir apparent, so to speak. And she's uh, now the vice president of football operations. And she got a GM interview, by the way, in this off season with Minnesota. So, um, Anthony Patch is probably the next up uh, to be sort of that director of player personnel, which is under Andy Weidel. Yeah, man, you can laugh at their term. They, they're really bad with messaging when they say things like gold standard or GM factory or quarterback factory. <laughs> they're really bad with that. But at the core of it, they are a GM factory and people look, Hey, who's Philadelphia got? Let's, let's, let's pluck from Philadelphia. It's, it's not a bad thing. I'll say that. Well, same with Joe Douglas. Like I'm sure the Eagles knew Joe Douglas was going to be a general manager at some point in time. They had Andy Wilde waiting right in the wings. He was yeah. Joe Douglas's right-handed man. They're like, Oh yeah, Joe Douglas can't do this. Joe Douglas can't do that. And I'm like, well, that remains to be seen as a general manager, but the Eagles, to me, they evaluated a lot of good talent when Joe Douglas was here, and they're still doing that with Andy Weil. It's just a matter of actually picking said talent. No, I I went there with this a couple of weeks ago uh, when he became available. I went there again after Ian Cunningham left. I'm going to go there again now that Brandon Brown has left. I liked Mike Mayock more then, and I know Mel Kuyper. I'm buddies with Mel Kuyper. I've done shows with Mel Kuyper. Mel was the original. He's the OG. But I'll tell you that I think that Kuyper, uh, excuse me, uh, Mayock took it to another level on the NFL Network when it came to covering the NFL draft and getting scouting reports out and giving you information on it. I got him the gig as the uh, general manager of the Raiders, Oakland before LA, whatever. Um I've always appreciated the guy. I've had him on his guests. I think he understands what it takes to scout collegiate count, project it to the NFL level. He's available. The Raiders blew him out. You knew it was going to happen because he was a Gruden guy and a Gruden hire, and he's just sitting out there, and the Eagles have an opening or two in their front office. Why wouldn't you hire Mike Mayock today? 
you want to get him in here before the draft. That's his specialty. That's where you want to lean on him. He probably learned some lessons as the general manager of the Raiders. But he's a Philly guy. Don't know if the money fits or uh, the, the, the organizational fit would be there. But I at least inquire, and I've heard nothing of the sort. Are the Eagles missing out here? See, this is the thing with Mike Mayock. I, I think Mike Mayock is probably one of the smartest football minds out there. But with the way they've drafted in Vegas or the, the Raiders the last couple of years, David Arnett is the latest example. You have to wonder what they're thinking. If they're just looking at pure football talent and they're ignoring character, I wouldn't mind giving Mike Mayock a call just to hear his take on some things. But – I feel like he really damaged his reputation as an executive based on, you know, a lot of these questionable moves the Raiders have made, whether it's character picks or you pick Limboda in the third, in the third round and you train before the season even starts. Cause you're like, I mean, it's great that he admits that he messed up, but how do you mess up a third round pick that quick? And I, I to me, Mike Mayock's again, one of the smartest minds in football, but I feel like he's going to go back to having a career on NFL network or one of the draft guys. Then, in the front office. But if I'm the Eagles, I call them and say, Hey, you know, you watch the senior bowl. What do you think? You know, you watch these West Shrine game. What, what do you think? It never hurts to have an extra voice. I just don't think he needs to be the guy making the decisions. No. And the Eagles probably don't have a spot for him, but Jody's right. He'll go, he'll go back to the NFL network and he'll be the best in the business there. What are the problems? And this goes back to Doug Peterson or, anybody else or, or Byron Leftwich and his attempt to um, tie himself to Adrian Wilson and get into Jacksonville as a team. You know, you mentioned all those mistakes with the Raiders. Well, John Gruden was in charge. John Gruden had the final yeah. say. Now, who knows uh, who who said, I want this guy, I want that guy. I know Mike like Cleveland Farrell a lot, um, probably overdrafted him. Not probably at this right, point. But if we're going to nitpick uh, Mayock's draft pick, how about Max Crosby in the fourth yeah, round? That's well, said. that's the thing yeah, I was going to say. You know, but look at from Howie Roseman's perspective. That's exactly where I'm going, Jody. So I, I, I thank you for going there. You know, people forget. They don't care. You know, did he get an edge rusher? Ultimately, he got arguably one of the two or three best edge rushers in the league in Max Crosby but he missed on the top four pick. Same thing here with Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard. People kill Howie Roseman for Andre. Andre Dillard, he got a left tackle. He got an unconventional what? Yeah, but that's just the way it is. In this league, you are are graded on your your first-round picks, and it's very short-sighted. It's very, very short-sighted, but that's the life of a general manager. I'd like to see him uh, be on the Philadelphia Eagles staff. All right, I'm sticking with it. Uh, you're not changing my opinion. I'm not changing. Uh, nobody's changing. I'm not going to disagree. Apparently, I'm not changing anybody else's either. That's fine. We'll see if the Eagles actually make a call. All right, Carl, we need your uh, take on the Super Bowl this upcoming week. There's a game? Yeah, there is actually a yeah, game going to be played. We're dealing with all this off-field stuff and coaching carousels and quarterback factories and like. Um, the quarterback factory that is the Cincinnati Bengals hasn't been for 30 years. And then they got Joe Burrow. And all of a sudden, they're in a Super Bowl in just two years of Joe Burrow's play. Didn't we see Joe Burrow here last year at the link playing a tie against the Eagles? Man, football can change quickly. 
And this guy's now the darling of the NFL, and he should be because he's played that well. I did a couple spots on CBS over the weekend talking to guys and about who's got the better team and had our buddy Matt Manicherian to look at a uh, through-the-numbers angle of the matchup of the Super Bowl, and he said the Rams certainly should win if it's that simple. It's not. The Bengals are one of those teams of destiny, and I think here on Birds 365, people should appreciate that because it was only four years ago that the Eagles were an underdog to the Falcons, an underdog to the Vikings, an underdog to the Patriots that swept all three and had themselves a parade. I just think the Bengals are a bit of a team of destiny right now, Jeff Kerr. Are you looking at it as, no, Jody, don't get too emotionally tied to this. Just evaluate the rosters, evaluate who's got the best team. How are you looking at the Super Bowl Bengals Rams? If their offensive line didn't suck, I'd be right with you. That's the issue. It's I don't know how they're going to stop Aaron Donald and Von Miller right now, who since Von Miller's gotten to the Rams, Donald's first in tackles for loss. He's tied with Von Miller. The Rams are the only team with I, I think I think they ended up being the only team in the league with three players with ten plus sacks. Now we're counting Von Miller's um, stats in Denver, of, of course, but he wasn't as dynamic in Denver as he was with the Rams. So great job, Les Snead, right? <laughs> you know, trading all those draft picks for. I just. I think the Bengals offensive line got really lucky against the Chiefs after rewatching that game. It's the Chiefs just didn't get home. Frank Clark didn't get home. Jerron Reed didn't get home. I don't think Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to have that problem. So to counter that, Zach Taylor is going to have to allow Joe Burrow to get rid of the ball quick. They're going to have to run the ball a lot with Joe Mixon, Samaje P. Ryan. That's how I think the Bengals stay in the game. And I think the Bengals have as good of a shot as anybody to win this Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, I just feel like if Joe Burrow has to drop back 45, 50 times to win this football game, the Bengals aren't going to win and he's going to get sacked and he's going to get frustrated. And we'll see how cool Joe is when things aren't going the way they play. Because, look, I just keep looking at it this way. The, the Titans probably should have beaten this team. The Chiefs definitely should be in this team. They blew it. I just think the Rams are too talented at the end of the day. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it'll be an entertaining game, but ultimately I can't go against my principle with offensive and defensive lines. I went against it last year because of my, you know, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes love, but I'm not doing it this year. Well, Jeff, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you and I'm going to go down this route. Jody knows I I hate when people say so-and-so has only got one or so-and-so has only got two when we're talking about quarterbacks, whether it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, or Peyton Manning or uh, all these great Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And Tom Brady kind of ruins the discussion, yeah. right? Because he's got seven and everybody, well, why can't everybody be Tom Brady? Well, that's why Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Um, so he's the outlier. You mentioned the offensive line because I'm with you. It's a disaster. We constantly talk about it. I say it all the time. You can't play offensive football if you can't block anybody. Well, Joe Burrow's found a way to block anybody. I'm not saying Joe Burry is Tom Brady. People are going to jump down that route. But he looks, at least early in his career, special. He looks nice. like he's got an ability to figure out what the heck is going on and elevate his teammates. Now, we also elevate his teammates. They have so many weapons. That's easy. But he's elevating his offensive line as well because he realizes they can't block. 
And I remember talking to Frank Reich about this with Carson Wentz. And Frank is a former quarterback. I asked him, how much of pass protection is on the responsibility of the quarterback? In other words, if you know you don't have a great offensive line, you got to adjust yourself. Joe seems to have that ability. Now, I know people are going to say he got sacked nine times against Tennessee. He did, but he found a way to win the game in the biggest spot. Am I barking up the wrong tree, or is there, is there something to that? I think it has a lot to do with what you just mentioned, Joe Burrow. It's He just seems to be that guy. It's, you know, you give me a pair of twos, and I'm going to get a full house. That That's just the way Joe Burrow is wired. That's how he's geared. It's He knows what's at stake for Sunday. I, I think he'll have enough adjustments in, in the deck to – how can I word it? To find a way to get the Bengals points, but – my biggest worry is at the end of the day when it's you know going to be 30 or 23 or something like that and he needs a drive to win i just think the rams are going to tee off and they have the secondary that can well they get. teed off against jimmy garoppolo that's oh. what happened at the end of that game but he's not jimmy garoppolo, garoppolo is in joe burrow yeah it's yeah. by the way mcmullen i have a question for you who do you think's a better quarterback in this matchup hmm that's a good question. I what I think Joe will ultimately be the better quarterback. Is he the better quarterback right now? I think so. I give him a slight advantage, but I think it's closer than people think. I've always been a Matthew Stafford guy. I think Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback, a really good quarterback in this league, stuck on a bad team, bad organization. He's kind of proven it. He's not great, but he's he's that next level. Um, and I think people have started to see that. Uh, I think Joe's got a chance to be, you know, superstar top five quarterback. But right now, I think it's very, very close. I'd give a slight edge to Joe Burrow for that reason. Look, Matthew Stafford's got more talent. Matthew Stafford's got the better team. Matthew Stafford should win this football game. It's the opposite of the Lions. Joe Burrow's sort of with the bad offensive line. Now, he's great, got great skill position talent, but... You know, we we keep talking. They are in the Super Bowl with that offensive line. That is an accomplishment right there. That is a big accomplishment. So Joe, Joe is really good already, but he is really young still. All right. If I uh, make this statement, I hope it doesn't get me thrown off Birds 365 or any NFL-related show because it's borderline sacrilegious. <laughs> if I tell you the team that runs the football more effectively – is going to win the Super Bowl next Sunday. Get out. Go away, Jody. I know that doesn't play well in NFL circles these days, but I still believe in it. I know someone else who believes in it. Nick Sirianni, by the way. Um, but he doesn't let's say want that, to believe in it. He had to believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, okay. he didn't really have a choice. He, he succumbed to it and said, I better turn to a, a running team here if I want to win some games between now and the end of the season. Uh, if I am correct, as blasphemous as that may be, who's going to win the game? Who's got the better running game, Cincinnati or L.A., Jeff Carr? Well, I think L.A., I mean, you know, for some reason, Sean McVay is in love with Cam Akers and his him coming back five weeks ago. I don't understand why he doesn't give the ball to Sammy Michelle, who got him there in the first place. He's a I genius. Mean, don't I, question the genius. Boy wonder, genius I, call him, I, I call him the boy wonder. But that, that's yeah. just me. You know, if, if you were a ball boy for Sean McVay, you're going to get an NFL head coaching job at some point. Or by, you, by the way, you know, we had um, 
Randy Mueller on Friday. And Randy made an interesting uh, uh, comparison that I hadn't thought of. So I want to throw this at you, Jeff. He said football's turning into baseball a little bit. Jody will know this, but baseball went through that where they said, you know what? We, we, why pay all these big name guys all this money to be a manager when we can get a, a no name guy? Pay, pay him less, tell him what to do analytically, uh, fill out the lineup card for him. Moneyball. And yeah, Moneyball. And uh, they're, they haven't gone that way to, in the NFL, but they're starting to go that way with the Sean McVay types. And we look at it here. It's Sean McVay and a Sean McVay acolyte, Zach Taylor, is going to win a Super Bowl. And these are not good head coaches. I'm sorry. They are not. I th- That NFC Championship game was one of the worst coach games I've ever seen in my life. And I like Kyle Shanahan. And he was part of it as well. Uh, is coaching way overvalued in the NFL? These days, have they become the joysticks? So I've been arguing for years about Sean McVay. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this or not. One of my former colleagues at CBS Sports um, ranked Sean McVay over Doug Peterson as a head coach. And it was the year after Doug won the Super Bowl. I think it was 2018 when he brought him back with Foles. And he said, Sean McVay would run circles around this guy. I'm like, that's funny because Sean McVay has never beaten this this guy, nor he only scored three points in the Super Bowl the year after Doug scored 41 backup quarterbacks. So- and by the way, I don't know who this is, Jeff, but I'll just chime in real quick to defend him because the rest of the league agrees with him. But go ahead. Yeah, that's well, well yeah, and that's what it was. Like he had he basically had Philadelphia against him. So I, I felt bad. But I look at it as I, I think these guys know how to cope, but you're right, John. It just seems like it's the micromanaging stuff where it's the game situations that someone with a sheet can't tell you it's okay. Fourth and two, we're just going to go for it at my own 48 because we're going to go for it, but there's no logic or merit or merit to it. And they're like, well, the analytics say go for it. Or, you know, that whole, what, what's that Twitter account? The fourth and was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, don't, don't say this. I'm like, well, yeah, that's great. You're tough. But they always seem to forget what happens when your tight end don't block or the guy drops a pass. And, you know, I just talked about this with Justin Herbert last week when I had an interview with him. We were talking about the Brandon Staley thing, and he said, you know, he's just different. He just doesn't. Like, like there's no – Another Sean McVay guy, by the way. The whole yeah, league yeah. is Sean McVay guys. Yeah. By the way, here's a funny one for you, John. So when McDaniel got hired, I'm like, well, let's see. Remember the old joke that when Mike Shanahan was coach of Washington, you know, Kyle was the office coordinator and Kyle's buddies – you know, it, he just took Kyle's – well, Kyle's buddies were Sean McVay, yeah. Mike McDaniel, um, who was the other one? Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. So, He's also going to be a head coach after – Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all head coach. Well, yeah, Kevin O'Connell is going to be a head coach. But yeah. it's just kind of funny how it's the McVay tree all of a sudden. And then you can't really argue with the two teams in the Super Bowl right now. So it seems like these guys know so- – Somewhat about coaching. Boy, the last time the last time he was in the Super Bowl was one of the worst coach games I've ever seen in a Super Bowl. But he was in the Super Bowl, so I get I'm what I'm saying to people, and they're like, "You're too hard on this guy. He's been in two Super Bowls in four years." Well, he was out of his league against Bill Belichick. He was, 
and by the way, Doug Peterson wasn't, to get back to your Peterson versus McZay, he wasn't out of his league. Now, Phil's a better coach, but and Doug won the game, uh, but he wasn't out of his league. Uh, and then I go back to that NFC Championship game again. I mean, though that was a disaster. The only reason Shanahan didn't look like an abject failure is because McVay was worse, but he won the game. So, but the better quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he had the better quarterback. Maybe it's personnel over coaching, but it yeah. seems to be the NFL thinks it's coaching over personnel as they devalue coaching. It makes no sense. It's I'd love to have Justine as my GM. You know what? Forget the first round picks. Forget the second round picks. We don't, we don't need to make those picks. I'll hit on these picks. Oh, by the way, speak of guy who guys who hit on picks later in the draft, Les Snead. Like he Les always Snead, gets yeah. Like, yeah. like Nick Scott was one of those guys. It's they just and he said we just drafted him to be a special team or look at him. he's a contributor on our defense because we develop guys. But you know I'd rather have a GM like Les Snead. Like you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll get by Miller. He's better than Adrian. Yeah. Sneed, Sneed better hit on the late round picks because that's all he's got left uh, <laughs> with as much as they push the chips into the table yeah. on this team. All right, one last Eagle former Eagle tie coaching potential move, Mike Kafka might be leaving the Chiefs to go to the Giants. Are the Giants becoming Philadelphia North? They took our uh, assistant general manager. Now they're going to take an ex-Eagle player and make him the offensive coordinator. Um, Kafka was the guy who the Eagles talked to. And there was a whole thing about Andy didn't want to lose him and the like. Yeah, 2020, um, the Eagles wanted to talk to – Mike Kopka, but they knew Andy would block it, so they didn't bother. They since changed the rules, so um, but they knew, yeah, they were very interested in Mike Kopka bringing right. Mike Kopka back. So it's uh, another how, guy. How Doug. big a loss is that going to be? It's not a loss for the Eagles, but how much can it be a deterrent? Will Kopka go up there and do a good job and make beating the Giants more difficult than it has been the last couple of years? Um, I think Brian Dable's. I think he's a good hire for them. I think Mike Kafka would be a good offensive coordinator for them. A defensive coordinator, I, I'm not sure. I guess is Schwartz, may the Schwartz be with you. Come on, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, no. See, look, that would be Eagles awesome, North in, in in New Jersey now. But they but fired a Philly guy though. The Giants were so bad for so long that they had to hire from their rivals. You know what? Let's see what our rivals are doing. And we're not. We're not talking about the Dallas Cowboys because we already went to the Jason Garrett uh, bloop here. So, you right. know, let's try the team that beats us all the time or, you know. Yeah. By the way, Eagles fans, be careful what you wish for if you want to. I, I don't want Jim with the Giants. That defense just because yeah. I know that defense is going to be pretty good with Jim. You know Schwartz. that pass rush is coming if Jim oh, Schwartz oh, yeah. is there. It, it, he'll be rushing four and he'll be playing the sticks and Eagles fans will be mad because Jalen Hurts won't be able to get the ball through the sticks. So. It's, it's going to be a fun time if, if Jim Schwartz is the defense coordinator for the Giants. But I, I'll tell you what, Jody, it's, I like the Brian Dable hire. Like, I, I, I didn't think they could go wrong with Dable or Flores. I thought both would be interesting hires from that respect. But the Giants seem to be the one team that got the guy they wanted at, at the end of the day. And I think it's a good hire for him. The only one who seemed to be confused by the whole thing was Bill Belichick. He kind of got his Brian's mixed uh, up. How can a micromanager in Bill Belichick screw up a text message? I, I just want to know that. I screw them up all the time, Jeff. I get yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's maybe one the, of the maybe flies. Nike, maybe Nike jumped up and sent the text message. The dog. <laughs> one of the flies in the ointment of Brian Flores is hope. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. There he is. Bill Belichick, kingmaker, controls all, even other organizations, yeah. but he can't get a text right on who's going to be the next coach of the Giants. Uh, by Those the way, two my, things don't my, seem my to be My biggest argument with this whole head coaching thing, like especially with the minority head coach, the fact that Jim Caldwell was fired for Matt Patricia still irks me. It's been three years. It, it's a shame. It's what was wrong? Yeah, with but Paul it's better. You know, you're right, uh, Jim Caldwell, Mike. Uh, but Jim Caldwell shouldn't have got fired in Indianapolis, shouldn't have got fired in Detroit, certainly in hindsight, if you look at what happened after him. But here's the thing. It happens all the time. Doug it's Peterson awesome. shouldn't have got fired here. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it happens all the time. You start getting uh, uh, relationships sort of uh, become murky, whether it's GM versus coach. We see it all the time. It's politics. So it's not just Jim Caldwell, that I will say. Yeah, I'm hoping Eric Bieniemy gets hired. I mean, I, I don't know what the Saints situation is right now. It doesn't seem like they have a situation, but I'm hoping Eric Bieniemy does get hired. I think he's well. well I I will say this: things took a drastic turn when that lawsuit was filed because Lovey Smith wasn't in the Houston conversation, and all of a sudden he's going to be the head coach in Houston. What is Lovey Smith like? Eight and nineteen in his last twenty-seven games. Oh, he's got a great, great beard. I mean, he does. I love it. It's, yeah. I love Lovey. I, I do love Lovey Smith, but he does not deserve to be a head coach anymore. Jeff Kerr, have a great Super Bowl week. Uh, we'll get you on in the upcoming weeks back here on Birds 365. Thanks for hopping on. Enjoy the week, bud. That sounds great. I hope you guys don't have to talk about Jalen Hurts getting traded for Russell Wilson anytime soon. No, uh, ev like every day for the next however many months leading up to the draft. Bank on it. Jeff, thanks, bud. That is Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com. Does hosting duties here with us. Always good to catch up and talk NFL with Mr. Kerr. McMullen and McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365. Come back. we got a couple more things to touch down on. Got a good guest coming up next hour as well. Mike Tanya from Football Outsiders is going to join us here on Bird 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other, with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock, more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. 
Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Got your Mega Mac guys here on Bird 365. Got McMullen and Jody McDonald. Thank Jeff Kerr for hopping on board. Uh, Mike Tanya's football outsider is going to join us about, oh, 15, 18 minutes from now. Uh, J-Mac, we, we, we touched on the bases we needed to early in the show here. Eagle guys coming, going, staying, coaching, front office and the like. Um, I, we haven't, uh, we're an hour and five minutes into the show. We haven't brought up what I think is the most embarrassing thing about the National Football League. And I'm not talking about their lack of minority hiring as head coaches. I'm talking about the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Did you watch any of it yesterday? Not minute one. Um, I got some kind of, I got in some kind of Harlan Coben uh, uh, rabbit hole on, on Netflix. Netflix. Okay. Yeah. I'm, um, a, I'm a huge Harlan Coben fan. As an author, I've watched some of his uh, shows as well on Netflix, and they're good, too. Uh, I'm just a bigger fan of his printed work than his television work. I'm not uh, downing his television work at all. I think it's phenomenal. But uh, I became a fan of his via his books first. So I feel almost like I'm cheating on Harlan Coben, the writer, when I watch Harlan. I think he's fine. I think he's fine if you watch the shows. Harlan, I, I think he follows me on Twitter. He's a Jersey guy. Oh, I've uh, had him. I've had him on as a guest twice. Oh, have on you? my show. We should try to get him on the show. Uh, yeah, he's does a great job. What's interesting to me is for people who are a fan, whether they're a fan of his writing or his Netflix shows, it, it's like he does there a lot of uh, European shows. So yes. they they rework it. You know, there's a lot of English ones. There's a there's a French one. French there's an one, Italian yeah. one. I think there's a Polish. It's interesting to me. I, I'd like to discuss with him, you know, how his right, because obviously he's a Jersey guy. I assume the books. Now you read the books. Maybe I'll just ask you. I assume they're they're, you know, they're set here. Uh, and when then you they're stay here that... in the United States. Oh, yes. Oh, well, well. Every once in a while, some of his characters go abroad, but it, they they are all are based here and start here. Here being, you're right, Jersey, 
but more North Jersey. If this is kind of a Philly based yeah. show, we're, yeah. we're we're on YouTube, so it's supposed to have national appeal. But it's about the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. We do call it Birds Three Sixty Five, which you and I are both South Jersey guys. Harlan's a North Jersey guy. He's a Jersey yeah. guy, but he's a North Jersey guy uh, more than a South Jersey guy. But yes, his his stories where his uh, writing is taking him and his ability to translate into television work is uh based in in the united states yes uh to answer your question all right we got off on a i i need to get back to the pro bowl you did not suffer watching the pro bowl yesterday i tuned in i was on three o'clock i forget what i do right around i did see how many fumbles and interceptions uh, uh, i happened to tune in at about 315 i guess it was and i forgot it started right at three um for the Four minutes that I watched, the AFC scored a touchdown to make it 14 to 7. It was four minutes and 10 seconds into the game. It was already 14 to 7. I said, <laughs> I missed two touchdowns. I tuned in. They were three minutes into the game, and I had missed two touchdowns. I said, what the hell? So I had to go back and look. I wasn't going to go back and watch the video again. But I said, let me at least look it up. Picked off pass for a touchdown, quick touchdown. I didn't even realize they were going to play with these Fakakta rules that you get to pick where you take the ball. They're going to place the ball down, and then you decide, do you want it or do you want to play defense? It was ridiculous, Johnny Mac. I know they want to do things differently. I know they want to be creative. I know they want to give you a different experience. I'll tell you what, my experience sucked yesterday watching the Pro Bowl, and I completely gave up on it. I would tune back in about every 40 minutes, Oh, by the way, the Sixers started 3.30 in a big game against the Bulls. Just one man's position. Yeah, I watched the more important sporting event, the Sixers game. I'd put on the uh, Pro Bowl during the commercials of the Sixers games and then go right back to basketball again. I know it's going to do nice television numbers. It'll probably end up being the number one watched sporting event from this past weekend. Which is amazing, but you're right. Uh, Boggles my mind. It was ridiculous. It was ludicrous. It, I'm a diehard football guy, too. I'm a basketball guy, but I'm a football guy first. Are you kidding me? What was it that they put together yesterday in Vegas? Yeah, it's been that way. I tell you, I, I, it's tough for me to watch any All-Star game, but particularly the, the Pro Bowl, which has gotten – and they try. I mean, they try ideas. One thing, you know, you mentioned the stupid rules, and I don't know what rules. They, they started that a couple years ago where they try out rules in the Pro Bowl. That, yeah. You know, so I don't have a problem with that. I mean, all right, you're, you know, why not try it out? But – yeah, that sounds pretty stupid. They put the ball. They don't tell them what are they what they don't tell them where the ball is going to be, and then you get to play offense or defense. Yeah, the team gets the who's ever turned it got to dictate where the ball was going to be placed, and then the other team got to choose: do you want the ball or do you want to play uh, defense from where uh, the ball is put down? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the game of football is not. I, I think I said this last week. It's not designed to be played in an all-star format because it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous to play the game of football. Oh, they took the danger out of it, John. It, it, you didn't watch any of it. It was touch. Yeah. There was no yeah. tackling. Yeah. No tackling whatsoever. Two-hand touch. And they should have put flags yeah. on him. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and they might as well. I, I've argued for years because the honor of making the Pro Bowl matters to the players I, I for a lot of reasons. One – reputation but also contract wise i mean they still tie 
these contract incentives to Pro Bowls, and maybe they should just make it the All Pro team or whatever. But, um, but I've always argued: keep the honor, lose the game. In other words, name Pro Bowlers, but don't play the game. It, 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 it's meaningless. Have all the other stuff. Maybe play flag football. Do the stuff on Saturday night, like the NBA three-point shootout. They started that with the skills competition, all that. Do all that kind of stuff. Have a party. Have fun. But lose the game. Lose it. Or 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 change it up or play flag football. Do something. Just it, It's just a chance for people to have fun. And as I said, the kids to see the stars um, all playing together, the different helmets and all that kind of cool stuff. But, yeah, the game itself is just a disaster. And I watched and By the way, Patrick it. Mahomes can't play football anymore. I'm just looking at the box score. God, he was awful. Um, uh, again, I didn't watch enough of it to have full commentary on it. I watched it more than you did. Uh, I did check the box score myself afterwards. Uh, so was Russell Hargrove. Wilson, by the way. Russell was awful. Hargrove had a sack. Did How he? did he get a sack? There was no sacking. It was half-hearted pass rushing the quarterback coming into football. How did he register a sack in the game? He got three tackles, which tackles meant here. This is a tackle. Get both hands on the guy. That's how you get a tackle. But he got a sack, too, while he was at it. I don't even know to be excited for the Eagle players that were on the Pro Bowl team. I'm sure they enjoyed themselves out in Vegas. Well, uh, I'm just looking at the box score, Jody. According to the box score, there were seven sacks in the game. Seven. Micah Parsons got one. Hargrave got one. Brian Burns got two for the NFC. Uh, Max Crosby, we're just talking about, got two for the AFC. Uh, T.J. Watt got one. Seven sacks in the game. It was ridiculous. and yeah, So I guess they pulled was, the flag off. But it was 41-35. Uh, we talked about how Joe Burrow won, despite the fact that he was uh, sacked nine times. They scored 76 points despite the fact that there were seven sacks. Speaking of the, the running game, Jody, the NFC ran for one yard. <laughs> it's, one it, yard. It one total not, yard. It was not NFL football, and it's a joke, and it has to stop right now. I, I, I'm I, sure that the Eagles that were out there and got to participate in this, I don't even think, I don't have nerve enough to call it a scrimmage. This exhibition, whatever it was, it wasn't a football game, uh, had a good time, and I'm glad for them that they got out there, and I'm glad for them that they didn't get out of control, that apparently the well, same way Alvin Kamara did. did. Yeah. Uh, so uh, not not sure that Vegas is the greatest Maybe they should go back to Orlando, yeah. No, 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 no. If you're going to go anywhere, go back to Hawaii. Uh, well, I don't... no, I agree, but they don't want to go to Hawaii. So um, Why yeah. is that? Why do you think they don't want to go to Hawaii? Well, I don't think enough people can travel there, um, you know, so you're limited as far as when when the, they would put the game in the hula bowl for all those years, it would not sell out. And that's a big thing for the NFL. I don't know how many people were there. Was was there a lot of people there? But I think it's easier to get people to go to Orlando or obviously Vegas. Well, you can pay for any stadium you want with uh, discounted slash free tickets if they're worried about how it's going to look on TV. Uh, and, oh, by the way, I didn't watch it much on TV because it was a travesty of an attempt at an exhibition because it sure as hell uh, wasn't a game. Uh, so, yes, I did watch sparse 
minutes of the Pro Bowl. What I was certainly more concentrated on was the Senior Bowl. And Johnny Mac, I got to tell you, I watched some practice time. We talked about it last week here on Birds 365. But then I watched the game on Saturday. Uh, the Eagles have three first-round draft picks. They've got 10 picks in the upcoming draft. Going to be a big draft for the Eagles. Don't know if they're going to keep all three. But as of right now, they're scheduled to have three mid-first-round picks. In what I saw over the couple of days leading up to it in practice and then the game again on Saturday, Howie Roseman is going to love this draft because the quality of the draft is in the trenches. The, it's what he loves. The, Get me an edge rusher. That's what Howie Roseman is saying. And right and there are ed, edge rushers to be had, but the kid who won the MVP uh, was unbelievable. Defensive tackle. I'm not sure the Eagles are going to go DT. They'd have to go with a fairly high pick, I think. He probably is going to be, be gone. But this kid, Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma, he was far and away the best player on the field. They rightfully gave him the uh, MVP award, but he was dominant in practice during the week and then during the game as well. Would the Eagles think about taking a defensive tackle with one of those two first? If they end up keeping the first two picks and trade the third or keep one, would they use it on a defensive tackle? Um, I mean, it's always about the position and the spot. I think they would probably if that were the best player on their board and it, it always is dependent on the individual player but i would think the position they wouldn't be as concerned with uh you mentioned devon hargrave they they just drafted milton williams who they they like a lot as a player uh and fletcher's going to be back so you know how much but you know everything is so fluid in the nfl fletcher's not going to be here for a lengthy period of time uh, Milton is supposed to be, J- Javon's is supposed to be. So I wouldn't say it's a, a position of need. So they might start thinking about trading back. You know, I think the the best probably of the senior bowl hype, the best thing that, that helped the Eagles was probably uh, Malik Willis and the, and the fact that he seems to be pushing up boards. I think that's good for the Eagles because they want to create interest uh, for teams that are desperate for quarterbacks to try to trade down or out or try to flip one of these picks over. But if they love the kids, sure, why not? I think I still think heavily lean towards edge rusher and cornerback before defensive tackle. And along those same lines, <clears throat> yes, I understand their love for the trenches, but right now on this team, I see a bigger need outside than inside. But I'm telling you, the best player was his defensive tackle from Oklahoma. Same thing on the offensive line. The kid from Boston College, Zion Johnson, was just stone cold dominant. I know the Eagles don't need help inside unless you got inside information that says Jason Kelsey is retiring. Um, Zion Johnson stayed late in practices during the week to work out with the coaches Worked on becoming a center. Didn't do it at all during the year at Boston College. They didn't need him at center. He was the best guard in the country. They just left him there. Um, But he did this week prove that he had offensive line flexibility. I'm telling you, this kid's a stud. If, again, the Eagles are sitting there and he's far and away the highest rated guy on their board, are they going to go interior offensive line with their first draft pick this year? Well, that would never surprise me. 
as you know, I mean, they just believe in the offensive line. And you're you're right with Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey, interestingly, was on WIP recently. And he, he said, didn't say he was coming back, but he said, as long as I could be the player, I want to be the leader, I want to be something of that nature, he'll be back. So I would say it's, you know, probably 80-20 he's going to be back. But, you know, I mean, we're talking about one-year increments here. So they need a long-term uh, plan. Problem is they're so deep on the, in, in, in the interior offensive line right now. Right. Um, now, the Nate Herbigs of the world don't have the ceilings of the, of the Zion Johnson of the world. So, yes, they are always interested in offensive linemen. But, but again, if we're doing this in, in a betting sort of mentality – I think that's down the list. But if they like a player on offensive or defensive line, they will take that player. They will take that player because that's 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 what they believe in building their team on. And they've been right for the most part. They've been pretty staunch about it is the reason that I brought it up. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. All right, coming back. We've got a guy who covers the entire National Football League. We'll get his slant on some Philly stuff, but we do have a Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, and the NFL's got issues that it's dealing with right now that are bigger than the Eagles, even bigger than the Super Bowl. Uh, Mike Daniel from Football Outsiders is going to join us next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other, with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock, more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life, 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. It is a Super Monday here on Birds 365, Super Bowl week underway. That is just one of the topics we're going to talk about with our next guest. Um, believe it second time. We've had Mike on before. Oh, yeah. Uh, We've from had football, Mike a couple times, I think. Maybe his third appearance. From Football Outsiders, the man with the best beard of the three of us. And we all work on it, but sorry, we we pale in comparison to Mike Tanya's of Football Outsider. How you been, Mike? I am practically a friend of the podcast I've been on so many times. I can't believe you guys are saying one time, two times, and I love the Ocean Casino re- re- Resorts backdrops. I take it that's not live right now, is that it? That is live. It is live. <laughs> it is live. Um, yeah, it's at least two times. Maybe it is three times. But, yeah, we've had Mike on. <laughs> but Jody's got so many shows, everything yeah, runs together. That might be, yeah, yeah. Jody's together. show a few times, too. That's yeah. it. All right, Mike, let's start with the Houston Texans only because I want to get it out of the way. Get Good. to the, I, I mean, look, we are where we are in the NFL. The hiring cycle's been a disaster from a, a, a minority hiring standpoint. All of a sudden, Brian Flores, uh, uh, some serious allegations against the league. And then out of left field, here comes uh, Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans. Now, Houston saying, oh, he was always involved. Are you buying that at all? No, I'd love to believe it. Um, but we spent weeks hearing about Gannon. We, we heard, spent weeks yeah. hearing about Josh McCown, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, as I posted on Twitter recently, you can hear the wheels clicking. You can hear the wheels in Houston all these weeks saying, oh, we're looking for our opportunity to do whatever goofy thing we were doing. And now Brian Flores lawsuit drops. There's much more attention, much more scrutiny on my, minority hires. We just fired a coach of color. We don't have any fi- coaches of color in our interview queue. Let's promote our defensive coordinator. And you hate to think like that. You hate that to be that way. But we see the way Houston has operated for the last year. They, they do not operate as a professional organization. It's a lemonade yeah. stand. It's the blue banana stand out there. And so they sort of <laughs> do Looney Tunes stuff like this. And it's a shame because I would have loved Lovey to have worked through a normal cycle and have like earned another opportunity, not kind of be like the default choice, which I feel this is what it is. And we talked about Jonathan Gannon earlier in the show. I suggested that not only is he okay because he's as young as he is and well thought he is, he's one year a coordinator and he's already getting head coaching interviews. That's pretty good placement, even if you don't get the job. And oh, by the way, is it a job you really want? That's a team that's in disarray. Sometimes you get on the carousel, you get the gig, you never get another ride. I actually think it's a plus that Gannon's staying right here in Philadelphia. It'll probably be a, it's a plus for the Eagles, plus for him in the long run. You know, usually during the cycle, we say it's one job out of 32, so you take it. And we've seen the old days of the Raiders when Al Davis was getting older and wasn't really, you know, all, all the way there. It's still one job out of 32. I don't consider the Houston Texans at this point one job out of 32. Oof. They are so poorly matched. You know that you're going into this weird situation where there's a, you know, Svengali working in the wings doing all this loopy stuff. You know, if you decide you want it, fine. But if you say, I'm just going to wait for the, for the next boat to show up, that's probably a good idea as well. Well, speaking of the next boat up, it might be Jacksonville, Mike. Not quite as bad as Houston, but I don't know if we want to call that one of 32 either. Yeah. On the other hand, 
you're getting Trevor Lawrence, and that's the situation Doug Peterson landed in. Right. Not their first choice, no matter what they want to say. Right. But he wasn't the first choice here in Philadelphia in 2016. Look how that worked out. Did parach- Did Doug parachute into a great situation simply because of Trevor Lawrence? I think so, to a degree that he's going to be welcomed as a savior in the locker room there beyond Trevor Lawrence. So he's going to help Trevor Lawrence. All the other guys are going to be like, oh, a coach who doesn't scream at us and kick us during practice? <laughs> who's kind of pleasant and like like straightforward and super professional and player first, he's going to be a rock star among the players there. And it's Doug. He's going to bring in good coaches. He's going to be able to go out there and grab coaches from other staffs and bring them in. And somebody else going into Jacksonville might not have been in that situation. One more thing he's got going for him is, you know, they've got cap space there. They do have Lawrence. They've got EDN coming back. They can work their way up to eight or nine wins real fast. You know, there's enough talent hanging around there that if you don't just actively screw the pooch the way Urban Meyer did, you can get to eight or nine wins. Now, I don't know if Doug gets the next step, but right there, that's an accomplishment that's going to make him sort of the hero of Jacksonville. It's a good position for him to be in. Mike, we got to get your read, and we've kind of danced around it, but I want to jump into the deep end of the pool here on the lawsuit that was leveled against the National Football League. You already kind of touched on it, that first immediate response was without merit. And now several days later, Roger Goodell and his State of the Union saying, oh, we've got a lot of work to do and it's uh, embarrassing and we've got to be better and the like. Um, Do you think this lawsuit has a chance to go the distance? Certainly you can read into that with the fact that uh, my opinion stated here on Bird 365 and everywhere else this past week is Flores is putting his coaching career at peril. Because he, I know he's still a quote-unquote finalist for the Texans. Yeah, as John pointed out, probably going to Lovey. I don't know when he's ever, if he's ever going to get another coaching gig in the NFL. You kind of sued the whole league and the 32 teams. You're putting your your future at risk. Right. Which means it's a money thing, but it also is that he's trying to make a point thing. Right. What direction is this lawsuit going in from here? I I mean, my whole take on this is I believe – you know, the racism, the hiring practices and the implicit bias in the NFL. I believe they're real. I believe they've been real for years. I believe they're fairly obvious. What Brian Flores has said in his lawsuit, I, I believe that most of that is true. Like all that stuff sounds plausible. I'm not sure Ross brought him in and said, hey, here's money if you lose games. It was probably couched a little bit more as a nod, nod, wink, wink. But I, I believe Brian Flores. I don't think B proves A. I don't think B equals A. I don't think saying I got a weird text and I had a weird meeting with the owner is enough to prove or put like the preponderance of, of, of evidence that this is the, the smoking gun against the NFL. I wish that there was. I wish that that was going to be the case. I have a feeling this isn't a lawsuit with legs. I have a feeling this is going to be kind of a, a shot fired against the bow of a battleship. And it's, it's going to end with a settlement, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to talk a lot about it and not a lot's going to get done, at least directly from this lawsuit. Wish it was differently, but that's the way I think this is going to proceed. Mike, and I promise I get to the game after this, but last one from me, just because I want to throw this out there and and get your thoughts on it, because you're a bright guy. I got a lot of respect for it. One of my issues with this whole thing is I don't think people are directed in the right place in that I always tell Jody, Roger Goodell is very popular amongst the NFL owners because Mm -hmm. he's a lightning rod, because he takes the hits they don't want to take. 
So I think a lot of the critics of this league look at the NFL and say the NFL is not hiring minorities, which is the case. But they're one of 32 entities. They're each individual ownership. And they look at Roger Goodell and they think Roger Goodell can pick up the phone and say, hey, guys, hire some minorities. Consider some minorities. He can't. Right. He can't. So until you identify the problem, how do you solve the problem? I don't it's, think critics have identified the problem. It's it's it, there's a naivete with the way we approach this stuff, you know, uh, where we look for this uh, mustache twirling, you know, red skull villain yeah. in the background. Saying, bond <laughs> villain. I called it a bond villain. A bond villain in the in yes. the corner saying, "Yeah, this is yeah. my master plan," and it's not. It's a bunch of owners, most of whom are uh, older white dudes, who's like, "Hey, that dude reminds me of my clever nephew and Sean McVay, so I'm hiring him." And it's an implicit <laughs> bias, and it's pervasive throughout society. It is, yeah. and you know, Goodell would like that to change, but he only has so much power, as you said. So, you know, we have to look at you know some of these things like the adjustments they made to the Rooney Rule. Hey, you get a third round pick now. Uh, we need to look. We need to look at colleges. The NCAA can do whatever they want. You can say, oh, well, we haven't had an uh, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator color in 75 years at this college, and there's no accountability for that. The pipeline needs to increase. So, I mean, you hold the people at the top accountable. You do. But you don't approach it with this naivete where you say, oh, racist hiring practices, lost to Goodell's the bad guy. Let me write a think piece about it, stick it on my blog, and, and now I'm a crusader for good. It's more nuanced for that. We need to be a little bit more uh, nimble when we talk about these things. Agreed. All right, let's take it on to the field. We will play Super Bowl 56 coming up on Sunday. The Rams against the Bengals. The Los Angeles Rams, not the St. Louis Rams, which means two teams that have never won a Super Bowl before. The Bengals haven't, and the Rams haven't won one in L.A. So we're going to get a new champion. That's a good thing. And, Mike, one thing I continue to point out, uh, and have since the two teams qualified uh, for this big game. They got there in two different ways. Cincinnati's been a build through the draft guy. Now, having high picks like number one with Burrow and number yeah. five with Jamar Chase certainly helped, but the yeah. D. Higgins of the world, their kicker in the fifth round, they've done a really good job giving this roster uh, its base with its draft. Right. Added a free agent here, there, defensive line, short-term, like mega-buck-type contracts. They were built from within organization. The Rams, on the other hand, said, we got a couple of pieces, but we got to go well. And they put up all that they had to to get Jalen Ramsey. And then Matthew Stafford, an in-season Von Miller. Uh, yes, OBJ wasn't a give-up-the-future-type thing, but they brought in someone else from another organization. And give McVay credit, he's made it all work. If the NFL is a copycat league... Will the winner of this game be the copycat winner as well? That everyone, if the Bengals win it, oh, we got to build it through the draft. If the Rams win it, oh, we got to sacrifice our draft picks to trade for guys who can jump in immediately. How much of an impact is this game going to have on the way the other teams in the NFL look at roster building? My guess in the short term is the copycat is going to be the Rams. For one important reason, there's not a superstar quarterback in this draft that you can plug and play. So in the short term, you say, we're going to do what the Bengals do. We're going to go to the draft and we're going to get Malik Willis looks pretty good. Kenny Pickett looks pretty good. None of these guys are Joe Barrow level prospects. There's no Jamar Chase level receiver, although there's a lot of good receivers. If you go into the trade world and say, we need to get our Matthew Stafford, 
Russell Wilson might be there. Deshaun uh, Watson might be there. Aaron Rodgers might be there. Uh, there's some of these like second tier guys you could talk yourself into. Garoppolo's there. You could do that. So I think in the short term, there's a lot of teams that are going to say, we can upgrade now and go that route. But in the long term, I think we know in the NFL, draft and develop always wins, except that it takes time, it takes patience, it takes a lot of vision, and only a handful of teams are able to execute that over the course of multiple years. Uh, Mike, I, I want to kind of frame this uh, through an Eagles lens in that uh, I was just tallying this up the other day. Before the Eagles lost um, Ian Cunningham and Brandon Brown, their scouting staff was 19 deep, 19 deep. Wow. And that doesn't even include Howie Roseman and Catherine Race, who run the right. show. So it's over 20. So I'm reading Peter King this morning. The Bengals... Okay. Have a scouting staff of six, oh. six. <laughs> now, and yet, and you're putting up two. It's probably more like two. Yeah. Um, is this one of the greatest accomplishments in NFL history to bring a Mike Brown finance team into the Super Bowl? There's a lot of smoke and mirrors with the Bengals. You, you, the three of us would have picked. Joe Barrow and the three of us, yeah, 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 yeah. either Jamar Chase and, and or Panay Sewell. They made a lot of good free agent decisions this year. Right? They, made some, on they, defense. they have made some good free agent decisions there. It is shocking that they got this far. Um, it is a, sort of an accomplishment of the organization. Uh, credit to those six scouts doing the work of three people each. But this is a team that had the 30th hardest schedule, the third easiest well, schedule yes. in the NFL this year. They come in as a wild card, they get a couple of upsets along the way. I would. You worry about like getting too carried away with saying, oh, we have to copy the Bengals method. I don't think the Bengals method, yes, draft and develop is is, is copyable, et cetera. But the idea like let's structure things like the Bengals, et cetera, that's the thing that I think teams have to look at and say, no, they got a they got some breaks along the way. They got lightning in the bottle. They got the right guys a few times. And we want to do that, but we also want to do things, you know, we want to spend a little more money in our scouting department, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it it is amazing on a string for what about five decades now. Yes. Uh, yeah. So why why should thing like that change for Cincinnati? The right. results are changing, but their way of going about right. it not changing anytime soon. Um, do want to follow up on a name you threw out there because it's one that I have lost my way with. I have believed all off all season long that Aaron Rodgers was in his last year in Green Bay that yeah. he was going to be walking away at the end of the year. And then all of a sudden, he started saying nice things about the general manager. Yes. And they've got the best record in the National Football League. And I yes. I changed my opinion. I said, now I believe it's more likely that he stays. Then they get bounced in their first playoff game. And I, once again, have no idea what the hell's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Understood it's fluid. Not going to hold you to it today here. This has to be your last stance or statement ever on, ever, on Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. But... As we sit here today, what's going to happen with him? I have a feeling we're going to know soon whether Devontae Adams gets franchised. Once they franchise tag Devontae Adams, which will be a move, a good move, and also a move to keep Aaron Rodgers happy, then they've got to figure out how to get cap compliant. So they're going to have to move money around. They might have to tell some guys free agency to go. Aaron Rodgers is either going to love all of that or he's going to hate all that. And I'll tell you right now, Aaron Rodgers doesn't believe that the salary cap is real. He doesn't believe COVID is real. He doesn't think the salary cap is real. <laughs> so if one of his guys has to go out the door and it's like, well, it's to pay you, Aaron. It's to pay Devontae. It's to pay the courts. Yeah, we can't keep Robert Tanyan, even though he's your guy at tight end. Then we might hear the different side of Aaron Rodgers and the and the, the rumors will start again about his, his unhappiness. But for right now, 
the very fickle Aaron Rodgers does sound relatively content and it's trending towards him staying. All right, Mike, I want to go back to coaching, but coaching in the frame of the Super Bowl because it's Sean McVay and Sean McVay light. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I The NFC Championship game, I don't know how you felt, but I didn't think that was a well-coached game. Um, it, last time Sean McVay was in the Super Bowl, uh, was not a well-coached game. And I feel funny saying this because the guy's in NFC championship games and he's in Super Bowls. So you got to give him credit for something. Yeah. But you know how this league is. And Kevin O'Connell's going to get the Minnesota job after the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor, Brandon uh, Staley. What, what, what am I, is, is coaching overvalued in the NFL now? Is it going the way of baseball in, in when they scaled back and went to more of let's look at football outsiders and do what they tell us to do in the, in the football realm and then the analytics realm, obviously of baseball. I think some of that super situational stuff, like what did you do on fourth down? What did you do here? What do you do there? Some of that gets a little overvalued because we talk about it and it becomes the, the trending topic on the social network, et cetera, et cetera. It's important, but you see Kyle Shanahan make mistakes on fourth down, kind of gets away with it until the end. You see Sean McVay like burn the time out. We watched Andy Reid burn timeouts for 15, 20 years and still be successful. And we saw all kinds of mistakes. I think the longitudinal, what you're doing during mini camp, what you're doing during OTAs, what you're doing during training camp, where you're developing guys, where you're keeping guys on the same page, where they're prepared to play, that's that element of coaching remains unbelievably important. And I think you see some of these guys are outstanding. McVay's outstanding at keeping that superstar leading roster happy, focused, going in the same direction going out there ready to play, have a game plan to get Cooper Cup open, et cetera. He does all that stuff very well. Shanahan does all that stuff very well. Andy Reid did that stuff very well for years. That's the part that matters. It's hard to quantify. It's hard to, like, have a hot take about on Monday morning. He blew that call. But I think those are the things that matter, and some of the things that we really talk about, talk about, talk about are some, somewhat overstated. All right. Uh, let's put on the uh, thinking cap for the way that you are mentally prepared for this game. I know a lot of people want to have it break down to the numbers and compare who got sacked versus uh, key blocks and okay. uh, the analytical approach. But I want to talk about the mental approach of this okay. game because we've seen so many examples in the Super Bowl of the team that prepared correctly walking away. The team that was overly nervous ended up losing the game. Well, we can go all the way back to Dick Vermeil against the Raiders back in 1980, where Vermeil entered af admitted afterwards, yeah, I had them wound tight, and we played like a tight team in the Super Bowl, and the Raiders were out on Bourbon Street all week long <laughs> getting ready for the game, and it worked for them. Uh -huh. Different strokes for different folks. Which team is the better, do you think, potentially, because we won't know until it happens on Sunday, mentally prepared team? Is it a McVay coach team? Is it a Taylor coach team? Is it a team that's been there before? A lot of Rams players on this team just four years ago. Bengals, almost no Super Bowl experience. Right. If you had to guess and gauge the preparation leading up to kickoff on Sunday, which team do you like better? You have to assume that McVay and the veterans in that locker room have memories of how it went down against against the Patriots and have a better plan for approaching this week than the Bengals. I think that works very far in the background, particularly this year. You're talking about Bourbon Street years ago. Now we're talking about teams that are not flying in until I believe they're flying in on, on Tuesday now. 
Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, the, the structure of the way teams do things now, it's like you're going to be sequestered in the hotel, et cetera, et cetera. There's the overlay of COVID that's going to prevent guys from going out. You know, like the Rams, oh, like we're near home, we can go out. That kind of thing is probably going to be very minimized. So the team that's not traveling, the team that has more experience, I think that works in the background for the Rams. That said, I th- think the Rams are the better team overall anyway, so I don't even know how much juice that adds on top of things. All right, Mike, I know we got a hard out at uh... – 45. So uh, footballoutsiders.com, Mike Tanier, you could read them in New York Times as well. Uh, Mike, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Give well, us, I think give these us. teams are similar. They both like to spread the field. They like to throw deep. They both got a great number one receiver. They both got a great number one cornerback, but the Rams are better. The Rams are just better during the regular season. If you stack them up player for player, for the most part, they're going to win that. So I'm leaning on the Rams. Yeah, they're not surprised for Mr. Football Outsiders. <laughs> Mike, great stuff. Good to catch up again. Oh, we will have you back again. Please. And we expect your beard to still be better than either of ours. Yes. Doing an outstanding job with that, like you did uh, giving us insight in the NFL today. Thanks, bud. Always a pleasure. Take care. Enjoy your week, guys. You got Thanks, it. Mike. That is uh, Mike Denier from uh, Football Outsiders here with his son, Birds 365. All right, J-Mac and J-Mac still got plenty to cover. 15 solid minutes left with you here on Birds 365. Come on back. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears you know you like being right that's why you should enroll in an independence blue cross plan it's the health plan chosen by more people than any other with more doctors and hospitals more benefits that really rock more of the coverage you want for the right price including free doctor visits 24 7 it's a choice you can feel good about because when you're right you're right and when you've got independence blue cross you're right where you need to be Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
back, guys. Coming down the home stretch on a football Monday, which, by the way, in case you didn't know, and we hope you do, um, we will have tomorrow's show here on Birds 365 be our last one from the week. Uh, the channel itself is taking some downtime around the Super Bowl. We'll be off uh, the next three days after tomorrow and a couple of days uh, starting next week. Uh, so I uh, hope you enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. We'll certainly have a good show for you tomorrow, helping to prep for it. And along those lines, John, I want to combine two things that we talked about here today on the show, the Super Bowl and uh, coaching movement in the National Football League. Uh, I had a chance to get Wade Phillips on my show yesterday on CBS Sports Radio. I thought he'd be a really good get because he, of course, was part of that Ram staff four years ago that went yeah. to the Super Bowl as a defense coordinator. So he worked for Sean McVay and he worked with Zach Taylor. So I wanted to get the chance to compare and contrast those two guys through the eyes of a fellow coach. And I knew that he was let go by the Rams. They didn't renew his contract after a couple of years. So I thought maybe I can get an honest opinion. He's not a, a, a Ram devotee. And he may actually say Zach Taylor's got a chance to be just as good as coach. I forgot one thing. And shame on me for this. His son, Wes. Rams, yeah. Is still on the Rams staff. Yeah. He's going to be an offensive coordinator. I think... He's going to be Kevin O'Connell's offensive coordinator, but we'll see when he gets the Minnesota job. So he's going to be close to taking over the family business. Uh, exactly. And who knows? Maybe if they're that impressed with him in Los Angeles, maybe they offer him the job as offensive coordinator with the Rams to stay put. So as he doesn't join O'Connell in uh, Minnesota. But I had completely forgotten that Wes was part of that staff. But even when I thought of it, I said, yeah, but. They still pushed Wade out the door. They they told him, thank you very much for your contribution, uh, but we're going to go another direction for defense coordinator. So I thought maybe, just maybe, oh, no, he's a blatant Rams guy. He is so much in his son's uh, corner, it's ridiculous. He's uh, rooting for him. He's going to the game, having a great time. We'll be there at the Super Bowl this week. Yeah, he is uh, an Uber Rams guy. He said some nice things about Zach Taylor, but he blatantly, you could tell, will be rooting for the Rams. He didn't attempt to be objective in the interview that I did with him and, <laughs> and talk well, about his. You know, yeah, I mean, I think, isn't Wade's uh, Twitter, I think, son of bum? Or son of son, bum, exactly of right. Bum. Yes. Um, so, what is Wes going to do? Son of bum, grandson of bum, who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, that that family has been legendary around the NFL. I mean, Wade's got to be 70. He's over 70. So. 50 years coaching. Yeah. 50, uh, from 50. high school to college. We to talk about experience. NFL. So, he's, yeah, in his 70s, might be sneaking up on the 80s. Boy, he was the, he was the defensive coordinator here in the 80s, probably. Like Coach Reggie White. Yeah, probably late. Yeah, I saw this stat. I'll just throw it at you. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Guys that he's coached that have won Defensive Player of the Year. Reggie White, J.T. Watt, Aaron Donald. Did you ask him about Aaron? I asked him who's the greatest defensive player he ever coached. And he said, believe it or not, this will go over well with the uh, crew we have here. He said Reggie White had the greatest year. Of any play because it was defensive player of the year. I I, I yeah. ran down five guys that he had, and it was one. Oh shoot, I can't remember what it was. 
uh, Bryce Pop. That Bryce was Pop like, had a great year. He had did a great year, but yeah. he's not Reggie White or no. Aaron Donald or J.D. Watt or who else am I forgetting? Oh, Boo Smith. They had Boo Smith in Buffalo. So you're talking about Hall of Fame, all-time great defensive players. Yeah, Bryce Pop, not quite in that group, but he had that type of a year to win Defensive Player of the Year. So I asked him. I specifically asked him a specific way. Well, he had he had Von Miller too, I think. He had Von Miller, right? Um, as well, I didn't get him to answer the question the way I wanted him to. I asked him who was the greatest defensive player he ever coached. He said, "Well, Reggie White had the greatest year I ever coached." So he went to an Eagle guy. So it wasn't a bad thing, but I wanted him to make an evaluation of comparing all-time great defensive yeah, players. Right. Yeah. He coached them all. He just went narrow focused to the one year he had. Uh, with Reggie White when he had the 20-plus sacks here in 12 games for the Philadelphia Eagles, a record that'll never be broken again. Yeah, generally when I ask when I've asked people, they they usually come down to Reggie or or Lawrence Taylor, unless you get uh, a little bit older. Some of the older guys will get the Deacon Jones and players like that. But I, I'm, yeah, Wade would be a great person to ask. I, I kind of want to know where he puts Aaron Donald in the pantheon because he's playing right now. And he's one of those guys who just, I say it all the time, his peers are in awe of him. That's when I take notice. When your peers say how good you are, uh, and obviously Reggie is that type of player, Lawrence Taylor. Somebody put a clip of Lawrence Taylor up, just highlights over the weekend on Twitter. You forget. I mean, that guy was just, it, and by the way, they'd all be penalties today. Uh, he was uh, that's back when intimidation was part of the game. And Bruce Smith is, is also who, who you mentioned. It's it's sort of Reggie uh, Lawrence Taylor and Bruce Smith in that sort of era uh, of football. And he had them all except for Lawrence. LJ. He touched down on a lot of bases with all-time great players. Yeah, never, never with the Giants with Lawrence Taylor. But I did make him laugh because as I ran down those list of guys that he had who were defensive players of the year on his teams uh, that he he captained on the defensive side, um, he goes, yeah, all Hall of Famers. And I said, so you're telling me, Coach, you feel pretty strong about Aaron Donald making the Hall of Fame. He just laughed out loud. If it were in uh, on video show like this, he would have laughed in my face. It was just on the radio. He goes, yeah, Joe, that's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm telling you Aaron Donald's going to the Hall of Fame. You, you don't agree with me on that one? I said, no, I asked the question, Coach. I was just making sure you were sure. He goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to the Hall of Fame. So, yes, Wade Phillips has coached some of the greatest defensive talent in the history of the National Football League. It all doesn't matter. I asked him, how do you let your son go over to the dark side? Bum was all about defense. You were all about defense. How the hell do you let him become an offensive coach? He said, well, he's a quarterback in college. I ain't nothing I can do about that. And then yeah. gravitated that way. So uh, as a linebacker coach slash passing game coordinator, and if you believe passing game coordinators have a big influence on uh, putting in game plans during the week, yes, Wes Phillips of the Rams could have something to say about the outcome of the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he's an important part of that offensive coaching staff. And obviously, you know, third on on the sort of list behind Sean McVay, as I mentioned, and Kevin O'Connell is going to be a head coach after the Super Bowl. So that means, yeah, there's a good chance that 
Uh, if it's if if they don't allow him to go with Kevin O'Connell, he's going to be elevated to the offensive coordinator there, and Sean McVay's be, become Andy Reid. If you're off his offensive coordinator, you're probably going to be a head coach sooner rather than later. So he's in yeah. a good spot to to you know you talk about head coaches, uh, grandfather, father, son, NFL head coaches. That's pretty impressive. And the other thing that I forgot when I was doing my prep work for Wade Phillips, I th- you should know this, Mr. McMullen, history buff for the NFL. He has been the head coach of six uh, NFL he's, franchises. He, he's got to have the interim head coach record because he's been an interim head coach at least three times. Three times, yeah. He was head coach of the Bills, the Cowboys, and the Broncos, and he was interim for the Saints, the Texans, and one more I'm forgetting. My bad. But he's been the head coach of six different teams. Yeah. There's nobody else in the history of National yeah. Football League Falcons, been the head coach Kirk, of six Falcons. different teams. Yeah. Interim for the Falcons as well. So, Falcons. Uh, that's the yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, well, you mentioned it. I mean, and still today, it, um, plus 70, you know, I think a lot of people – could do a lot of worse on the defensive side of the ball. But at some point, I don't even know if Wade wants to continue coaching. Um, well, it sounded sound like he was enjoying being the proud papa of his son yeah. and, and carrying water for his son, who may get a head coaching job before you know it. I think you said it here, something along the lines of anyone who actually ever Stands in a urinal, urinal next to Sean McVay, eventually becomes an NFL head coach. Yeah. That's all you have to do is get that close enough, yeah. and sooner or later you're going to get a head coaching gig. You got to believe it's going to happen for Wes Phillips too. Yeah, I would bet on it. I would bet on it. And I just looked it up, by the way, Jody. Eighty-two and sixty-four as a head coach. It wasn't bad either. Wade, Wade Phillips. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, absolutely a winning record, like five sixty something. Yeah, five sixty, five sixty four. So. Which is is not a bad uh, career. And I've said it too many times. I didn't say it to him on uh, the air yesterday. He's one of those guys who was an adequate head coach. He was a great defensive coordinator. And sometimes guys should say, "Do I want to be great at what I do?" Would I want to be slightly above average at what I do? Everybody desires that coaching position because that's what you strive for. You want to get to the uh, highest position in your uh, chosen field. Uh, but he was so superior a defensive coordinator. Uh, his head coaching skills probably paled in comparison. But as you correctly point out, his win-loss record is pretty damn good uh, for a guy who did it as long as he did. All right. Um, is there uh, going to be a Shield Capadia signing? On Birch 365. I hope so. Uh, Shield said he would do it, so I'm going to hit him up as soon as I get off uh, this morning, and uh, hopefully. Uh, we'll... All right, so, so I don't embarrass myself like I did with Mike Tenure today. Uh, Shield, I've had Shield on radio shows forever. Has yeah, he he's been, been on. on Birch 365? Yeah, yeah, he's been on. Once? Twice, I believe uh, just once. Just Could once? Okay, twice. so if I say that tomorrow, he's not going to get mad at me like Mike did today because I suggested it might have only been the second time Mike was on with us. Yeah, I, I, I he could have been on. Xander will have to answer Xander, that. That's what we'll do. We'll make Xander do the work. Xander, look it up now. How many times has Shield Kapati been on the show? Because he may be on with us tomorrow. Or he may not. You're going to have to come back here in 22 hours to find out 
And remember, um, the channel is taking some downtime around the Super Bowl. Not only us here on Birds 365, but Middle National Football uh, Show. Um, we're going to take some days off leading up to the Super Bowl and a couple of days after the Super Bowl. So you absolutely positively want to be here tomorrow because it's our last pre-Super Bowl show on Birds 365. Partner, I'll see you in 22 hours. You good with that? Let's do it. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.